and welcome to the Bucket Lister Podcast. Join your host, Keith Crockford, along with special guests who have traveled the world, here to share stories of their adventures and plenty of inspo to add to your bucket list. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Bucket List Podcast. Today, we are chatting with Emma Denley, and Emma recently came on a trek with me to the Lares trek to Machu Picchu. Uh, Emma is a, well, I would class her as a, an Instagram influencer, although she might, she might say differently. Um, so, hello, Emma. Hi, Keith. Thanks for having me on. No problems at all. Thanks for coming on. So, I first got to know you really through Instagram, and I would say you were an Instagram um, influencer in terms of you have a very big audience on influ- uh, on Instagram and you do travel quite a lot. I do travel quite a lot. That's true. I love to travel. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think of, I don't think of myself as an influencer. I suppose to me, I have a relatively small following, but I think it's a real niche. Obviously, I only post travel content, so there's a nice little niche for me there. And yeah, I just, God, I started probably in the end of 2020, just sharing my travels. I've always loved to travel, grew up traveling very fortunately with my family a lot. And I just thought, why not share that with everyone else? Even if it's a hundred people, I don't mind. Um, If I could help one person go on a trip or recommend something to someone, um, that'd be great to me. So yeah, it really started from that. And then it's just grown and now I'm traveling even more I think it encourages me to travel more which I'm not complaining about uh yeah that's how I got into it so in terms of in terms of your your traveling then um where where have you been Uh, quite a few places (laughs) there's so many places I still want to go which I know you and I chat about all the time um I've done a lot of Europe I've seen a lot of America um South America, but there's a lot of countries in South America I still really want to visit. Central America as well. Um, Africa is somewhere I haven't really visited at all. And that's where I really, really would like to explore more of. I think there's so much to see there. Um, Asia, I did the classic kind of after I graduated from uni, um, went backpacking, Australia, Southeast Asia. So ticked off loads of sort of countries there. And I've got very, very fond memories of places like Thailand. So yeah, quite a few places. So there's quite there's quite a few places already ticked off, but then there are still plenty of places you would say that you you still want to tick off. Yes, I I love a list, so I have a big list on my phone, and I tick them off as I go, <laughs> and it works actually quite well because then I can, I guess, sit down and plan new destinations and how I can kind of fit them into my schedule maybe for next year and things like that. I like to, yeah, plan how I can visit a few new countries each year. And in terms of, I mean, I think you're quite fortunate in terms of your job that you're not fixed to a Monday to Friday, nine till five. You can kind of, your job allows you, you know, your full-time job, not your influencer job, allows you to to work remotely in terms of that. So that must help your, your traveling as well. Yeah, 100%. I'm very, very lucky that I can work remotely, but only now. That's a pretty new thing, obviously, I think for a lot of people since COVID and it's something that's only been the same for me since 2020 and funnily enough I did actually I used to get asked all the time how I traveled so much and this was when I was working a kind of nine till 
nine to six job, the extra hour, nine to six job um, in London in an office. And I only had 20 days holiday a year. And it does take a lot of planning, but you can travel really well within that. Um, obviously, planning ahead to use bank holidays, um, Christmas, all these sort of things. Like it really does take a lot of planning and looking at the flights that were ridiculous hours of fly home at 1am or take an overnight flight back from America, land at 6am and go to the office for eight. Like not things I'd recommend all the time doing, but I just love to travel. So anything I could do to sort of maximize my holiday time, I would be doing that. So it's definitely still possible to do with a full time office job. I did it for five or six years, but now I'm very lucky that it's not so much of a stress for me and I try and work as I go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that, like you say, the, the whole pandemic is is changed people's working time anyway. You know, people are much more flexible now. Um, like you say, people can work from home. There's this whole digital nomad thing now where, you know, um, Bali, I think, uh, are paying people to go to Bali. I read the other day to actually work in Bali digitally and they're actually giving you grants to actually get there, I read. Yeah, that's it. I keep seeing that actually on TikTok, all of the um, different countries. I think Costa Rica do one as well where you can... Um yeah go there and just have a visa basically to stay you're still I guess assume paying taxes in your own country but you're just yeah working abroad which is great I think particularly because it's now more difficult to do that in Europe a lot of the further afield countries are saying you're from the UK come to us which is really nice and there's you see in these places as well they have a lot more um cafes with super strong wi-fi a lot of um community out there who are kind of just over there working maybe UK hours and then having the afternoon or the morning, whichever way around it is to explore the new place you're living in, which is really fun. I'm definitely, definitely here for that. So you said earlier that you've done, you've done the backpacking, the after uni, the after uni kind of, you know, student gap year kind (laughs) of style. Are you still traveling like that? Or is your kind of style of traveling now changed in terms of how you choose to travel now? Thankfully, it's changed a little bit. <laughs> thankfully, I say thankfully because it's it wasn't necessarily for me. I think I had the most amazing time doing it. And obviously, you're doing it as cheap as possible. We were all, yeah, recently graduated students, um, staying in hostels, dorms of 20 people. And that is just not, not something I would choose to do nowadays. People coming in at all different hours. And sometimes that was us coming in at 3 a.m. I can't say it was always me in bed first. But definitely now I'm... I mean, I'm working, so I choose to spend my money on things like travel, um, which is fun. Um, I didn't think it's changed in the way of when I was 21, 22, all I wanted to do was kind of go explore and kind of throw myself into new situations. I think you have that when you're a bit younger. I don't think that's changed at all. I still love to do that. But I think the main thing that's changed is probably my sleeping arrangements. (laughs) But slightly more, slightly more higher star accommodation now, is it? Completely. And that's not to say that if I was in a really remote area or whatever, I wouldn't, I'd be happy to sleep wherever because it's all part of the experience, isn't it? But I'm definitely not a hostel gal anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I mean, there, there are, I always think there's two different type styles of traveling in terms of, you know, you see those people who go on their gap years, um, they go off exploring you know, they go off for 12 months or then 
you know, I mean, the kind of if I'm traveling on my own independently, I kind of want to go and hit somewhere for two weeks and spend the money and actually go and experience that one country in two weeks and get everything in that time. And if I want to do something, I suppose I'm in the position now where I can afford to go and do it and not have to go fruit picking for three weeks to to, to do so. Completely. But I do think it's obviously, and I know a reason of why lots of people do go to hostels is obviously the social aspect of it and being able to meet people who are like you traveling around wanting to meet other people as well so everyone's kind of in that same situation so definitely if you're looking to meet people whilst traveling I think hostel is a amazing way to be able to do that in comparison to a hotel where you're just in your own room and maybe you'll chat to people if there's a pool or a bar or something like that but it's definitely a lot more isolating so I suppose it depends what you're looking to achieve whilst you're traveling because also I mean, I love a bit of alone time. I'm happy to just wander around the city by myself if that's <laughs> if that's how my day is looking. Um, I'm not particularly looking to necessarily meet people that I'm going to go out with. So very much it depends. And on my kind of Instagram and TikTok, I do really want to just encourage people to get out traveling and show people that it doesn't have to be expensive. I think obviously people think that it's going to be expensive. Flights are always like well into the hundreds and thousands to fly and actually, it doesn't have to be that way. You can be smart with it. You can be looking on Skyscanner, traveling at different times and picking locations based on flight prices. And it's way more accessible than a lot of people think. Yeah. And I think, you know, you do quite a lot of short short trips, don't you? Just kind of long weekend style trips, um, you know, European destinations and, and things like that. Yeah, completely. I think that's still coming from back when I thought, well, when I only had 20 days holiday, I was like, right, okay, I can only take the Friday off. So where can I fly for a two night trip? That's probably still kind of innately in me. And obviously, I most of my friends and everything like that, they are still in kind of full time office jobs. So it's fitting in what we can when we can. But we're so lucky. We're in England. There's so many places we can travel to within two, three hours. I think that's amazing. And, and I think, and I think the other, the other. I mean, like I'm, in, I'm three and a half, four hours from a major airport. You know, you live in the in the southeast where you've got plenty of airports to choose from as well. So I think, you know, in terms of, you know, you are super lucky from a Friday to a, a Monday kind of style trip in terms of that. No, a hundred percent. Being able to get to Heathrow and Gatwick definitely makes a little bit of a difference. Um, they're both super quick for me. Although I do think that probably two of the more expensive airports to fly from if you could get a flight from bristol or something yeah and i mean i mean standstead and luton aren't too bad either are they you know compared to you know you've just got a nip around the m25 and you can get quite easily to stansted or luton and from your perspective yeah there's definitely definitely a few perks from being kind of in the london area not complaining about that <laughs> and in terms of how often do you travel with with people compared to how often you travel solo? So this is interesting. I'm trying to travel more solo now than I ever have done before, just because I think it's so good. I don't know. It's, you, get, you get so much flexibility. You learn a lot more about yourself. It's not something that I maybe would do to all different countries. I think it very much depends on where you're going. Um, and I'm lucky that I do have a few friends who really love to travel as well. So I might try and rope them into something I'm scheming but um and kind of rotate those few friends around so one will come on one trip one will come on another um so that works really well um yeah I'd say it's still probably about 60 70 percent with friends and then 30 40 
by myself, but I might be meeting someone for part of a trip or different things like that. I do think it just takes a lot of planning and working out these different timings and accommodation situations and who's going to do this and also who wants to go to different places. Obviously, I'm more than happy often to go back to places, but then, as I was saying, you kind of have a list of new countries you want to tick off. So kind of working through that as well and adding new ones to the list and being able to tick them off. Yeah, and as a, do you ever worry as a as a solo female traveller when you when you go to places? Yes, definitely. And it's it's a shame that that has to be the situation, but you just do. I think that's the thing as well. Like I'd always look into reviews of accommodation that I'm picking or things like that to make sure that it's going to be somewhere that I feel comfortable in, um, in not too dodgy of an area, hopefully. Um, and then in countries, you have to be aware, but I wouldn't say anywhere I've ever felt uncomfortable or any more uncomfortable than I would do in London, I don't think, because I think you just, like with anyone, you have to be a bit kind of street smart and not walk down a dark road late at night, like little things like that that people wouldn't do anyway. So it's a bit of common sense in that way. But I definitely think there's just a consideration of plans. But there's never been a time or a situation where I have felt uncomfortable. And I think people often look out for one another. So it's, there's, I don't know, every time I'm around, I'm always reminded that there's lots of good people out there and plenty more good people than bad people. Yeah, that's very true, I think. And I think, you know, a lot a lot of places you go to visit um, there, you know, especially if you are in the touristy areas, they are very welcoming to tourists, you know, especially more so now, I would say, since the pandemic, you know, since I've been traveling to countries where they heavily rely on tourism, you know, the, I've found that, you know, that the friendliness and the customer service that you're receiving as a traveler in these countries now is just gone through the roof because they're just so happy to, to have you back. Yeah. I think so. And I often think it's the countries that maybe you'd not expect it, or they might have a bit more of a difference in culture than we would in the UK. So kind of the non-European countries that people could often assume that they might be a little bit more dangerous or a bit overwhelming, but actually those are the ones where you're the safest and the people are the friendliest. And then when you go to other European cities that there's, I don't know, they're less welcoming to tourists or there might be more pickpockets or whatever it might be. But actually, yeah, in the, the far-flung countries, they're the ones that are super happy to see you. And I think you're right, especially since COVID, it's great to be able to bring tourism back to the countries and have that income for them again. Do you, as, I mean, you don't think you are, but obviously you you make some revenue from social media and your traveling. But when you go traveling, do you think of it as work or you know, does does having to think, oh, I've got to get photos of this or I've got to get videos of this, does that actually come away from your travelling experience or does it's just kind of natural to you now? To be honest, I think it's quite natural. Um, before I was ever posting about my travels, I was always taking pictures anyway. So I think that comes naturally. I want to take pictures of everything. To be honest, I have a really bad memory. So that's why I've always taken pictures because I want to be able to look back and think, oh, we had dinner there that night or we were doing this this time. So that's where the picture taking has always come from. So I've my the photos on my phone, it's just astronomical how many I have. But I try not to let it affect my trip now. I don't really tend to post 
in the moment. I'm quite bad at backdating things <laughs> by a couple of days, um, which I prefer because I think if I'm traveling and especially if I'm with other people, I want to be living in the moment. I am always having a great time. So I don't want to be on my phone having to post in real time. I think it's one thing taking pictures or videos and I enjoy just doing that, like the creativity behind it. But then I want to kind of have the time to sit down, process it all, go through, work out what I would actually recommend. I'm not going to post anything that I wouldn't recommend doing or I want to post my real thoughts about something. Um, and sometimes that's quite time consuming. So I wouldn't be doing it in the moment. So I think that definitely helps. I know people who are in similar positions to me who are trying to do it real time and then that's a real chunk of your afternoon or evening gone doing that and I think you're in these amazing places like go enjoy it <laughs> yeah definitely I think and, and, and I mean you know when we're when I'm on a trip you know from a work perspective you know leading groups there's always that expectation that you know we should be posting photos back to the Facebook page or the Instagram or whatever and um, you know, I'm, I'm terrible for it that I just forget to do it half the time or, you know, and I think, I mean, there was once when we, we did employ a, a full-time videographer for that exact purpose. So they came along with us and actually did that. So we didn't have to sort of worry about it really. <laughs> and I, think, I was going to say, I think the pressure more comes from needing constant content. And I think particularly with TikTok now and how, consuming the content is and how people constantly need more and constantly need more I know people have compared it to drugs before like the that addiction that people have with social media I think that's probably more the pressure of feeling like especially in this industry feeling like you need to go on another trip and you need to do something else to get more content and be posting more and recommending more things and showing people how they can do this but now they've done that so what's next what's next what's next I think that's the more pressure that takes a bit more time to realize that it's just social media and your life will continue without it <laughs> and, and I think people also think it's uh you know the whole the whole thing now of you know going and getting a nine till five job is, is completely disappearing like if I ask my my young children what what they want to be when they're older they're like a youtuber or a tiktoker like that they you know that people now think that that is a a career choice that that's super easy to get into and how long do you think it's taken you then from saying, actually, I'm going to have a go at this to actually now allowing you to, for it to like affect your life in terms of, you know, you, you are an influencer, you are getting opportunities from it? I would say it's been, I started posting around the end of 2020, which was a great time for in lockdown and no one was traveling, but you know, it's just <laughs> backdating that content. Um, and then kind of consistently posting throughout 2021 and now in 2022. So I suppose just over 18 months. Um, but it's it's time consuming. I'm not, not going to lie. It is consistency. We were speaking before about consistency. I think it's not something that you can stumble easily into. And it's also putting out authentic content that people are going to benefit from. I think that's it. It's like providing value to people's lives. And it is very different based on the platform. I mean, people are talking now about Instagram and how it's kind of becoming harder and harder to create content on there. They're really pushing reels as like their video content things compete with TikTok. So for the people who were very into their photography, that's a real struggle now because Instagram aren't pushing your photos in the same way. But then on TikTok, it's quite easy to post a few videos and 
for them to go viral quite quickly. There's no kind of rhyme or reason behind it. So then you could say you could get followers really quickly on TikTok, but then they might not be that engaged because you've only done two videos and they don't actually believe in what you're saying. So yeah, it's a, it's a long process. There's lots of ups and downs. Um, it depends really what you're looking to achieve from it. I never set out looking to achieve, I don't know, payment or anything like that. If you want to call it that, I was just looking to share tips for family and friends who were asking me always where to go on holiday or where to go for dinner in London and then share these pictures that I enjoyed taking if something came a bit great but I would have been happy with 200 followers I didn't mind <laughs> so it was never it was never something that you woke up one day and went I want to be an influencer no I think I don't think I'm too old but I think I was I'm slightly older than that generation who wants to be influencers which I'm thankful for but I didn't grow up with TikTok or anything like that so I think that nowadays people definitely like you're saying you're young kids people in their teens they're on it constantly that seems like a really aspirational thing to do which I understand completely they're living these dream lives earning a lot of money but I guess it's understanding the longevity behind it and whether or how long all these things are around for so if you were so if anyone listening to this is thinking oh I could do that and get some free travel out of it what is the <laughs> what is the like the the three pieces of advice you would give someone who was thinking you know I, I want I want to do that to enhance my travel I would say consistency in general if it's something you really really want to do you just have to be consistent with it and it's not going to grow overnight so just keep posting obviously informed useful content but post 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 if you post once every month it's that's just not going to work um so even if you're not traveling a couple times a year I don't you could travel once or twice a year and still try and do it but just make sure you have enough content to be posting enough um and then I'd say also just really love to travel because I think like I was saying the pressure to constantly be doing some doing something and traveling can be a bit overwhelming and I'm very fortunate because I can work from anywhere it gives me that flexibility to be able to do it a little bit more um but I think that it's difficult to necessarily always keep up with so make sure you really really do love to travel and love trying things throwing yourself into new situations um and I think exploring new places I don't think people are necessarily looking to go to the typical places that you could book as part of a a package that people would go back to every year if that makes sense it's finding these new destinations or cool beaches that, that people wouldn't know about and trying to make your kind of information a little bit unique yeah okay brilliant um so you're you you've always been a very independent traveler um you've you know you you do a lot of the research yourself you book everything yourself so i'm intrigued to know why then you jumped on a group tour with people you didn't know and came away with the bucket list company and did the Lares trek with us to, to Machu Picchu? Yeah, super different for me, but I loved it. So um, Peru has been on my bucket list for so, so long. Um, like I was saying about how I write this list every year, Peru was on my list for this year. So I knew it was a place I wanted to go and visit. Um, I've seen amazing kind of destinations and Machu Picchu obviously is show-stopping kind of everyone needs to go see it in their lifetime if they can 
Um, but I do think there are certain countries where you just need that little bit of extra help in organizing kind of your schedule, knowing people on the ground in the country to work it out for you, how you're getting from A to B or the logistics behind, I suppose. There's just certain things that are really, really tricky to do from the UK, from your computer and book in advance. So when you do a group trip like yours with um, to Peru, it just takes, I suppose, that kind of stress out of it when you're going to a foreign country that you've never been to before. Um, and I think particularly as well, previously when I've been looking at Peru, I kind of saw the idea of going to Machu Picchu. You just flew into Cusco, you got the bus, you got the train and just arrived at Machu Picchu like the majority of people do. But I really then, when I researched it a bit more, loved the idea of doing a trek. And it was a bit out of my comfort zone, like a group trip in general was. But being able to sort of have that trekking experience going so off grid is really, really unique, I think, and something I'd never done before. So, yeah, so some of the reasons and... So my phone so much. I loved being off the grid for two days. <laughs> I've, I've got I've got two questions from what you've just said there. Um, my first question to you is: You, we were out in. We had two trips running at exactly the same time to Machu Picchu. We had the Inca Trail trip and we had the Lares trip. And you did the Lares trip. Mm-hmm. Why? Why did you? Why did you choose to do the Lares trek over the Inca Trail trek? I guess like we've been speaking about, it's finding things that I think are a little bit different. And before I had done my research and kind of found this trip, I hadn't heard of the Lara's Trek. I'd obviously heard of the Inca Trail. That's kind of hugely famous, but I've never known much about the Lara's Trek. And I just thought that it sounded so cool, so different to anything else. And I think in particular, I love the idea that there just wouldn't be anyone else doing it. Obviously our group, but we just, as you know, we didn't come across a single other tourist or trekker or anyone like that the whole time we were doing it. And I just think that's so special. I don't think there's many places really that you could have that experience that we had for 48 hours, I suppose it was in the end, but um, trekking through the Peruvian mountains, seeing kind of those remote communities and getting to interact with them and not seeing a single other tourist. It's incredible. Yeah, I think, I think that, that's... That's the answer I was kind of expecting um, from you in terms of, you know, I, I think exactly the same. You know, everybody knows the Inca Trail. There are other ways to get to Machu Picchu and they're just kind of not, you know, very well promoted in terms compared to the Inca Trail. But, That's you know, if you, if you want to be, you know, in the middle of nowhere with nobody else there but locals in culture, then, you know, people do need to do a bit of research in, and find out a bit more about the Inga Trail. And my second question to you on what you said earlier was, you know, you joined a group trip um, and obviously you joined it solo as a solo female traveller. You didn't know anybody else on the trip. How did you find that? Because I think this is really important for people who go, I want to go to Machu Picchu. I want to do, I want to go to Everest Base Camp or I want to go to Kilimanjaro, but I'm on my own. I'm a female travelling on my own. Like I'm not going to know anyone and that will be completely out of my comfort zone. So what what would you say to them and what advice would you give them? Honestly, I think it's the best way you could do something as a solo traveller because these experiences, I think, are to be shared. You wouldn't just want to go to Machu Picchu solo. You, you wouldn't want to, you definitely wouldn't be trekking solo anyway. But I think that it's, inc- it's an incredible way to meet people from all different aspects of life. We were from all over the UK, a mix of people who were 
solo as well. There were some couples, there were people who knew each other who had done previous trips with you, I know. So it was such a mix. And I think that, yeah, I was almost overly impressed with how everyone came together and how kind of sociable everyone was because you don't know if people are going to still want to do things by themselves. And that's completely an option if you wanted to explore, I don't know, Lima by yourself for the day. By all means, I think you were able to, but no one really wanted to because you're there to meet other people who also are passionate about traveling like you are, who are looking forward to the next kind of 10 days that you have together, um, going out for a lunch or a dinner, a drink at the bar. I think it was the perfect way to travel around the country, particularly if you are a bit nervous about traveling. Obviously, it takes the stress off when you are so carefully organizing all our plans for us. And then it just leaves you to sort of enjoy the social aspect of it. Um, I think I was a little bit nervous about sharing a room because I'd never done anything like that with someone I didn't know before. I got very lucky with who I was sharing with. Um, But I know there's the option. You don't even have to share. Um, But it also wasn't ever an issue. I think it was great to be able to share with someone. And um, you always then had a companion to go and do something with. So I loved it. And in terms of, I mean, one thing I think about bucket list groups in general is we get a complete mixed range of people. Like, you know, I think, you know, you might have been the youngest on the trip, I think. And then, you know, there was probably someone 20, 30 years older than you were. But I think in terms of the majority of our group trips, because of that age range, I don't think there's ever really any egos on the trip in terms of, you know, everyone just mucks in and gets on with it, I I feel. Yeah, and I think that's probably the most important thing to remember and come with to a trip like this. It's just being able to kind of get stuck in and kind of be involved with the group. Um, everyone's obviously there for the same experience and wanting to sort of have the time of their lives. Like you're in Peru, trekking through the mountains, going to Machu Picchu, exploring all these new places. It's just an incredible experience. So I think to be able to, yeah, mingle with different people, no one everyone's just looking out for each other. No one's really judging. I don't, not that they'd be judging anything in particular, but it is very much just people just want to find out about you. Um, there might be some kind of like familiarities or similarities in different kind of people's walks of lives, but that's it. Everyone's from different areas. Everyone's from different backgrounds, has different jobs. Um, like you said, very different ages. And I think, yeah, that's a really nice thing. But because there was enough people as well, there were people that then you could maybe be more in common in age with but then there was yeah such a wide range which worked really really pretty well I think you know I think like you were saying there are so many different walks of life so many different interests but everyone has that one common interest of travel and I think it's really surprising that if you if you listen to a lot of the conversations that were happening they were all around travel and where people wanted to travel next or where people had been in they were just having those conversations Completely. I think especially if you're traveling on a trip like this, like it is an adventurous one. Um, There's obviously some kind of activity levels involved as well. And then going to Peru, it is a further afield place. So you do get the people who are very like-minded in what they look to spend their money on or what they look to do in their spare time. So definitely, yeah, then the kind of common interest amongst everyone for sure was travel where people have been before. Um, I know a few people had been on bucket list trips before. So kind of people recounting their stories of that, encouraging other people to, oh, you should go do Kilimanjaro instead or sort of pushing other trips that they thought would be good if you'd like this one. Um, So yes, it was great to be able to chat to different people and hear about all their different recommendations. So yeah, it was really, really fun. 
And what would you say were your three highlights from, from that one trip then? Too meant to be three, but I think obviously I have to say Machu Picchu, which I mean it was a little bit cloudy the day we went, but um still I don't think it took away from like how beautiful it was. The kind of it almost added to it in a in a way. We didn't get to see the full, full kind of effect necessarily. We saw the mountains at the end, but just hearing the stories about it and kind of understanding all of that history, Machu Picchu for sure has to be one of them. Um for me then, can I just say our trek as a whole? That's that's the second yeah. one, <laughs> the, the trek in general. But I would say what really, really made it was the team of um, Peruvians who were on the trek with us. Um, our guide, Alex, was just so incredible. And the team that was with him, so kind of the porters, um, the chef, all of that, like their service was just next level. It was incredible. I don't think any of us could quite understand how they were Cooking, they were cooking in a tent how we were having three four course meals for every every meal it was just incredible and I was blown away by kind of the food their level of service how nice they all were um and how hardworking they all were so that was a real highlight for me um and you know what I was really really surprised by was Lima um I loved our day in Lima I think I've been to quite a few different capital cities and Lima just really blew me away I thought it was beautiful I thought the people were really friendly I thought that was it was very clean and tidy there was a lot to see and do um a lot of kind of coastal scenery which was just stunning um you don't often get that in a city uh, so yeah I loved Lima um the food we ate there was just incredible that'd be my fourth highlight actually just all the food in Peru so I'll take four because the Peruvian food is just another level so that's four four and are you going to take Pisco for a fifth or not? Oh, I did like a good Pisco sours, didn't I? <laughs> but I think I drank too many, so that might be that might be why I didn't make my highlight. <laughs> and and finally, then and we'll finish on this one. Um, we'll, we'll do another list of three. What's the next three big things on your bucket list that you want to tick off? Oh, I thought you might ask me this. <laughs> Um, it is the bucket list of podcasts, so that's you know, we are talking about bucket lists. This is very true. So I have a bucket list destination, which would be Bora Bora. I've just always, always wanted to go to Bora Bora. I think it looks stunning it's so far away, but I think that's maybe why I like it. And one day, hopefully, I'll make it to Bora Bora and go swimming in that clear blue sea. Um, I would love to swim in the wild with dolphins they're my favorite animal and I've kind of seen them in the wild beyond boat been on boats with them whilst they're next to the boat but I've never actually kind of been in the ocean with them so if I could do that that would definitely be on my bucket list and then what would my third one be I really want to go in a hot air balloon I've never been in a hot air balloon and I think if I could go to Turkey and go in a hot air balloon that'd be incredible yeah, that's 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 one destination that's on my bucket list, um, and I'm I'm heading off to Turkey, and I'm going to try and squeeze that one in as well. But um, Mor- Morocco's got good hot air ballooning. Um, yeah, that's that might be another one for your for your choice. Yeah, definitely, I've seen them there too, and that's it. They just look incredible. The views you get, and then obviously should be there whilst all the hot air balloons are going up, and you could kind of just take. A step back and look at all that would also be I think I think that's that's what I mean I've done I've done a couple of hot air balloon rides now where 
I've been the only hot air balloon in the sky. And actually, it's it's a much better experience when there's lots of balloons around you. It, It kind of really makes that experience in... The photos that I've seen from Turkey with the amount of balloons that are in the air at any one time just looks... That kind of terrifies me because should they all be in the air at the same time so close together? I don't know. But I'm sure it would make for a good picture. (laughs) A good post for me. It it, it would make a good reel for your... um, Yeah, exactly. That's not the reason I want to go, but (laughs) I would take a video anyway. (laughs) Well, Emma, thank you ever so much for coming and joining us today and and having a chat with us about your bucket list, what you do, your travels, etc., where can people follow you on Instagram and TikTok? What are your... Yeah, so my account is Dens Destinations. So it's just at un- Dens underscore destinations. So check me out on there. And that's for both TikTok and for Instagram? Instagram. Yes, that's right. Brilliant. Well, again, thank you ever so much for coming on. It's been a, a pleasure to, to speak with you today. And um, thank you ever so much, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Bucket Lister Podcast. Be sure to click follow to be alerted for next week's episode. For more travel inspiration, check us out at www.thebucketlistcompany.co.uk or follow us on socials. See you next time.